0: was about 10 miles away from paris we came over the top of a, a brow and you could see parts of paris and that was the point that i thought i definitely am going to make this so it wasn't an anticlimax when i finished but it was one of those you, I, I hadn't really believed that i was going to get there and it was kind of what's next what do i have to do next so was the first question almost
1: Hello and welcome to the Running Tales podcast, I'm Craig Lewis and today's guest is Gary Shaughnessy, who you heard there recollecting nearing the finish of an event dubbed the hardest triathlon in the world. The Arch to Arc Tri, which runs from London's Marble Arch to the heart of Paris and the Arc de Triomphe, consists of an 87-mile run, swimming the English Channel and cycling for 181 miles. What makes Gary's achievement all the more remarkable is that he completed it after being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 2015. It's one of a host of incredible challenges including everything from marathons and ultras to kayaking and zip wiring which Gary has undertaken on the way to raising thousands of pounds for Parkinson's UK who he serves as their chair of the board of trustees. This year Gary will be undertaking even more challenges including swimming from St Kitts to Nevis, running marathons in Newport, Paris and Madrid, cycling from Liverpool to the Ukraine and joining a team of cyclists to go from Dover to Barcelona for the World Parkinson's Coalition, all to raise more vital funds for the charity. You can sponsor him now at justgiving.com fundraising gary hyphen Shawnessy 2 That's S-H-A-U-G-H-N-E-S-S-Y for Shawnessy. In a wide ranging conversation for this podcast, we also spoke about his role at England Athletics, where he is chairman of the board, and his success in finishing 40 marathons. But I started off by asking him how he felt when he first found out he had Parkinson's.
0: I was diagnosed back in 2015. I didn't really understand what Parkinson's was. I'd heard of it. And I just had a tremor. I went to the doctor. The doctor really didn't know what the issue was. And... I then went to a consultant and um, they pretty quickly said it's it's Parkinson's. And I assumed I was 48 at the time. And like most people, I assumed uh, Parkinson's was something you got in your seventies. And it took a little while for me to kind of actually understand what Parkinson's was about. But then really the first thing everyone focuses on is medication and what medication you need to take. And, And there's a real kind of assumption that you know you've got a neurologically um degenerative condition and you're just going to degenerate i'd given up football a few years just a few years earlier i played football till i was 45 i still was quite fit and um i kind of assumed that i was going to have to sort of basically give up sports or not really be able to progress with sports and that that was a, a really kind of dark time for a while actually where you you just think Everything is going backwards, what I do with work, what I do with, you know, friends, what's the impact on my family, uh, what's the impact on sport, which I I love and, you know, is a big part of my life. And fortunately, I'd already entered into the Barcelona Marathon as part of Tadley Runners, who who I uh, run with. We we quite often do, not every year, but a regular uh, trip of one form or another. And we'd already entered into the Barcelona Marathon. And that gave me a focus of doing something about it. And my wife also was brilliant. I'd been out on a training run and um, really struggled. And I rang her from Portugal where I was with business and said, you know, look, I I think I'm going to have to almost give up on this. And she just said, look, focus on what you can do. And uh, don't worry about the time. Don't worry about, you know, you could run last week so you can run this week. And, um, And that was a big, big turning point for me.
1: Yeah, because I, I guess we have this stigma around Parkinson's, probably because we all think of it, or a lot of people will think of it as, as you said, people in their 70s and so on. And we maybe picture somebody who is having struggle struggles, even walking, perhaps, or is in a wheelchair. And obviously, that isn't the case, or at least not initially. How much can you do as someone with Parkinson's? And, and what sort of, I guess, what day-to-day problems when it comes to running does it does it present? Because I'm assuming there are some.
0: Yeah, there are, there are some, but it's kind of almost the worst thing you can do, in my view, is put a ceiling on yourself and say, I can't do this anymore or, you know, you can't sprint or you can't do marathons or whatever it happens to be because you'll inevitably prove yourself right uh, when you don't need to. So I, I think there's actually the, the evidence is that Sport and physical activity is really good for Parkinson's. It's one of the few things that helps slow the condition down. Uh, and and from my point of view, I, I suppose probably the, the, the thing that proves it most is I did my best marathon time in Berlin last September. So it's not stopped me continuing to, you know, I'd I may have to make sure I, I take my pills at the right time and I'm I'm set up right. My sleep is appalling as is as, as the case with a lot of people with Parkinson's. But I can, you know, it's not stopped me doing doing the running that I love and, and really getting getting into each year doing something more and more kind of demanding, really.
1: And what was it like when you when you did that that first marathon that you were already um you already entered into and you, you managed to to get round there? Was was that a bigger thing than any running you or any sport you'd done before because of the diagnosis?
0: I think it was a massive emotional release. The only real problem with it was my wife, Janet, ran the marathon as well. And um, uh, I crossed the line first, but she got a better time than me because she was in the in the group behind starting. So, And she's never going to let me forget that. And, <laughs> um, and she avoids running in the same marathons that I run in ever since. But it was a real release and and I, I kind of, it, everything started from there actually. It then got me thinking, well, I can do more, but I also, I have a role to play to make sure that people realise that Parkinson's doesn't stop you doing everything and, and it doesn't have to be marathons, you know, a lot of people in the Parkinson's community do, you know, all sorts of sports, table tennis, just running very casually, short runs walking gardening all those sorts of things can make a real difference i just i just happen to have chosen to be a bit more extreme than most
1: yeah we'll we'll get on in a minute to maybe just how extreme you have been but you, you hinted there at some of the charity work that you've done and i think you have managed to raise is it a uh, hundred thousand pounds for for parkinson's uk over the years for a number of events What what made you initially think you know i can really make a difference here
0: well, I, I, I was, at the time I was working um, full time, I was uh, chief executive of, of, of uh, Zurich in Europe and that gave me a sort of profile, I guess. And because I had a profile, I felt, you know, I should really do something about that in terms of using that position to get across a message, but also to raise funds. I mean, the, the, the medication that um, most people use for Parkinson's was actually originally devised in um, the 60s before Neil Armstrong made it to the moon. And, you know, there's a huge amount that can be done to help improve the quality of life for people with Parkinson's and hopefully search for a cure. And I I kind of, you know, I feel obviously I'd like the cure for myself, but I also think there's 18,000 people in the UK get diagnosed every year and we, we need to do something to try and stop there being, Anyone being diagnosed with Parkinson's or having to to see it as something that they can't solve,
1: I'm sure there's a plethora of things. But but where does that where does that money go? What's it spent on?
0: Some of it is on research, um, and a lot of it's also on care. So that could be exercise classes, it could be speech therapy, it can be late in life care, and and that unfortunately is a you know is a reasonably sizable amount. I mean, one of the things we do. Uh, through the charity is, is to um, as support pa- Parkinson's nurses. Um, so people who are specialists, now ultimately they end up being, you know, hopefully paid for as part of the NHS when we can prove the case for them. But, you know, when I spoke to a Parkinson's nurse, it was the first time that anyone I spoke to really kind of gave me an empathetic view of, you know, not, not a soft soap view, but an empathetic view of, what Parkinson's could be like, and how you know I, I could take the next step, because there are so many different symptoms of Parkinson's. There's over forty, and everyone has a, a different version of Parkinson's. And if you're not careful, you try and you know assume that you're going to be uh, the same as the next person, and that can either lead you to you know, particularly if you look on the internet, you can lead yourself into real depression, or you can convince yourself there's a miracle cure out there, man. You know just just one click of a button away and the answer is is neither of those I'm afraid
1: then the nurses I know are extremely important and do a wonderful job in, in a past life I, I worked as a, a local newspaper reporter and in Milton Keynes there was a chap called uh, Bill McCloskey this is going back 20 years now so sadly Bill's probably no longer with us but he he was in his 80s had Parkinson's did a huge amount of fundraising because they didn't have a Parkinson's nurse in Milton Keynes and he knew just what a massive difference that could make. And and fair play to Bill, he eventually managed to make that happen because it it does have it just can change people's lives to have that support, can't it?
0: It can. And and you touched on something really important. I mean, I, I wouldn't wish Parkinson's on anyone. I wish I didn't have it, but I have met so so many inspirational people since I, I was diagnosed, and, and lots of people I would never have met in you know otherwise. And you see people whether its fundraising or supporting in, you know others in their community or you know people literally walking towards the fire and dealing with the the challenges that that parkinson's give them and, and other conditions as well actually
1: yeah definitely i mean we've spoken to some people on running tales who have raised huge amounts of money after being diagnosed with various kinds of cancer including terminal cancer so it's incredible what what people can do that kind of brings me quite nicely onto at least one thing that you've done last year which is the most ridiculous triathlon i've ever heard it's called for people who don't know it's called the um the arch to arc isn't it and if i've got this right it involves running 87 miles swimming the english channel and then cycling 181 miles what on earth made you want to do that
0: what made me want to do it was that a, a guy who um was raising money for parkinson's because his father had parkinson's had done it when i first got involved with the charity and I thought well what a brilliant thing to do bad news is my swimming is is pathetic as I'm discovering now for one of the challenges this year so so I I did it a slightly unconventional way I did the run then I did a row um which had not rowed uh, before either and then um then the cycle but it was brilliant and in some ways it, it pushed me to the limit but the the support I got people running with me rowing with me um cycling with me and uh, and all the people who, who you know donated but also you know came along and made sure that i, I got the right food the right rest and uh, and and actually could get on on my bike and managed to get to the, the trail and it was it was a wonderful experience actually
1: presumably you must have needed quite the support crew for that because i'm guessing it's not the sort of thing you rock up and doing in a marathon time of four or five hours
0: no, I'd never done anything like I'd, I'd done a couple of ultras, um, but 50k. So doing 87 miles was was just I, I hadn't realised how much you have to kind of keep eating actually because obviously when I do a marathon, yes, I take nutrition on, but you, you know it's not as constant as it is with something like this. But in the middle of the uh, of the run, uh, we actually stopped to. Um, to supports the, uh, the school that was doing the Daily Mile, we'd arrange that because I'm, I'm obviously involved in England athletics. And, you know, 50, I think it was 57 miles in to be stood in front of a load of kids explaining to them why I was doing this run. And I couldn't really explain why I was doing this run. I couldn't explain it to start with. And I was sufficiently tired that I definitely couldn't explain it. So we ended up just doing a run twice around this, this school playing field which probably didn't add to my um or just added to the distance i had to do and didn't add to my chances of getting to dover uh, in a, in a fit state unfortunately but um, but I, I got there and that was i, I love having the conversation with the kids they gave me a huge amount of energy
1: what was your feeling as you crossed the line as you reached the the final destination in france
0: it was it was almost one of those things where you is is have i actually done that have i have i completed it and the the point that was most powerful actually was about 10 miles away from paris we came over the top of a of a, a brow and you could see parts of paris um, and that was the point that i thought i definitely am going to make this so it wasn't an anti-climax when i finished but it was it was just it was one of those You, i, I hadn't really believed that i was going to get there and and it was kind of what's next what do i have to do next so was the first question almost
1: Yeah, it's quite a lot of um, runners who've done extreme events have kind of said that sort of thing to me. And I've read it in in books as well about them getting to the end, having people who run across entire continents, they get to the end and they kind of then walk into the sea and there's like... Two people and a dog there, and are never quite sure what to do after doing these these incredible things. I could probably talk to you for the entire podcast about that race on its own, but I won't because it's not the only one you've done. Do you want to go over some of the other events that you've done and completed, and also what you've got coming up planned for twenty twenty three? Because I think there's at least three marathons in the uh, in the offing this year.
0: There is. Um, so I, I mean, in total, marathons I've I've, I've done just under forty, which. You know, I mean, I've, I've met a lot of people who've done a lot more than that. But I've done some interesting ones. The Youngfrau marathon one was was incredible, actually. It's about 25 kilometres pretty much flat, and then 17, 18 kilometres um, straight up the side of the, of the Youngfrau. And that that uh, that I found tough, to say the least. For me, marathon running has also meant it's a great way of seeing different parts of the world. I mean, you know, I ran New York I used to go to business in New York and, and, you know, when you run it, you see a completely different city. And, you know, I, I, I could go through each of the marathons that I've done. But what we did a, a, a few years ago was we decided we wanted to come up with a, a, something that was a bit different, a world record. And I couldn't really uh, find one. And, and my mate, Andy Tucker, whose idea it was or, you know to, to do this, was um, came up with doing the three-legged running and could we do a a world record for 12 and 24 hour three-legged running so we we trained for that and then Covid got in the way and we had to have a social distancing so we did it one year with a mannequin in between us and then came back the next year and did the world record properly and it was acknowledged by Guinness you know in, in well it was October 21 was the uh, the day that we did it, and uh, that was a brilliant experience. Again, supported by people in Silchester, we went round and round the cricket pitch, and um, that was superb. And then this year, I've, I've got uh, swimming 4K in March, um, which for me is, is I, I really am not a strong swimmer. Then I've got um, the Newport, the Paris, and the Madrid marathons. And then I've got two cycles, one from Liverpool to Ukraine and Zurich have currently agreed to match the funding that people put in for Parkinson's to, to match it to support a mental health charity for refugees from Ukraine. And then I'm cycling from with a group of people with Parkinson's from um, Dover down to Barcelona for the World Parkinson's Congress. So it's a, a quiet year. Um, but the cross training is actually doing me good i think it really is
1: yeah you you mentioned it earlier about the the health benefits of of parkinson's presume um, of exercise for for those with parkinson's by the sound of it that's made quite a, a huge difference to you yeah it
0: has i mean my tremor is worsening and my sleep is worsening but but it's i mean balance can be a real problem for people with parkinson's and I think doing all the, the, you know, particularly when I do trail running, it just gets you into a, it, it helps you cope with it. And, it, you know, you're not doing exercises specifically for it, but you are making it better. I got my best park run time just before Christmas as well. So I think because I'm doing so much training, it's it's putting right what I should have been doing years ago and, and doing my training
1: properly, to be honest. Well, we could all probably do our training a little bit more properly, but that's another that's another story. You mentioned that you used to do a lot of football. Did you do a lot of running when you were younger as well? Or was running something that's happened in just in recent years?
0: I was when I was at school, I was um I was I felt I was a quite a decent eight hundred and fifteen hundred meter runner. I say I felt I was uh, I ran for Berkshire and then I remember running in one of these uh, you know, county events. And someone just coming past me, as, if, as as though I was stood still, and uh, maybe realised that my my definition of of good was was a long way from being good. But when I went to uh, college, I, I pretty much stopped doing um, running and focused on on football. So I always had reasonably good stamina because of the, the, you know playing in centre midfield. Um, but when I um, gave up football, I, I did want to continue doing. Um, doing sport and I, I, I did my first marathon actually in 1984 when I was just before I was went off to university and I did the second one in London in 2008 when I was looking as though I was going to give up football. Um, I actually carried on football for a couple of years but uh, so I, I didn't expect to do as much running as I've done but I, but, uh, I certainly sport generally has always been a big part of my life.
1: And presumably now, with the amount you're doing these days, you actually love running and, and love doing the sport. What what is it that makes it so special for you?
0: I think it's it's a combination of things. I mean, you can you can be both social and have time to yourself with running. And I love the fact that I can go out when I'm you know I've got a a business issue that I'm trying to sort out in my my own mind. I can go out for a run. I can't run, breathe and think at the same time. So somehow that problem goes to the back of my mind. And, and yet when I get to the end of the run, I've, I've almost invariably found a solution to it or, or at least an idea of where to go. I love the social part of running. I mean, you know, I, I, Tadby Runners, um, are, it's, you know, there's some good runners there, but it's, it's more of a social club than it is a, a really elite running club. But these are really nice people who've become great friends and uh, you, you get, you know, you get to see lots of different people from different parts of the community. And, and you know, yes, there's the competitive bit when when you do the, the cross countries that we're in a cross country league and so on. But there's also just the, I mean, we had a pub run on um, Monday, for example, and, you know, you get to go somewhere that you you would never have otherwise gone and and with a bunch of people that you you really like and get on with. So my wife also runs quite a bit. And one of the the best things, I mean, probably the best experience I've had running was um, my wife and uh, my three children, uh, Michael, Daniel and Beth, and all um, ran with me in the london marathon and it was just i mean the support i've had from family and friends but the family has been wonderful and my two boys would run if i'd not encouraged them but Bethan wouldn't have done a marathon and uh, she did you know and she but she did it because she wanted to support me and that was superb the number of reasons are just endless really
1: yeah that, that sounds absolutely incredible to be able to see that that, that kind of thing as a as a family and and running and what you're doing now I think has led you into a role with England Athletics as well. How, how does that work? What what's your what's your role there?
0: Yeah, so when when ultimately Parkinson's has has meant that I, I I stepped down from my full time role and I've now become uh, first of all chair of Parkinson's UK. Uh, I'm still chair of the Z Zurich Foundation, which is the the, the company's. Um, Global charity. Um, And then um, about 18 months ago, I was approached to become chair of England Athletics. Uh, For me, that, you know, that sort of joy of lifelong involvement in a sport and the idea of, you know, everything from youngsters through to I met someone recently who was a volunteer who'd done 70 years of volunteering and was just celebrating his 90th birthday. I mean, you know, it's that, that's really something that I, I i think is superb and um i'm also then on the the uk athletics board which gives me an insight into some of the elite athletics as well so it's it's been fascinating actually really learned a lot
1: yeah that must be it must be a hugely varied role um you know when you're looking at this the scope that england athletics has from the from those top elite athletes down to people doing park walk or or whatever it's uh uh, and and coaching people to do couch to 5k and so on it's it's uh uh, i I would guess an incredibly varied sort of position to get involved in and and fulfilling for being so
0: yeah i mean there's a there's a big chunk of it that's around governance and rules and safeguarding and and um and that's really really important um but then there's a, a large amount which is about effectively just making it easier for people to do the sport and to do it in a way that works, for you know everything from youngsters. I was at um, one of the, the sort of sports hall um, events in Norfolk a couple of weeks ago. There was about two hundred uh, kids between eleven and fifteen, and and just seeing the the energy and the uh, enjoyment that that people get, I, I is 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 really motivating and really rewarding, and being part of being able to help support volunteers to put these kind of events on i mean it's it's i think athletics and running is just such a core part of a core sport for, for people across the uk and and we we need to make it easier and easier for people to do it to be honest
1: what would you say about the the health of running a, a, as a sport at the moment because it if you, if you go back over the last 10 20 years i think it's massively picked up it used to be something that only elite people did if you couldn't run really fast you didn't you know you might go for a jog around the block but you weren't really a runner then we've had things like part run we've had running clubs come up everywhere Uh, more and more people just seem to be lacing up their trainers and going for a run but but i have also heard stories that since the pandemic clubs are struggling to keep hold of members events aren't attracting as many people So, so i'm just wondering from your point of view what you think of the the overall health of running as a sport yeah
0: i think um there's real it's quite polarized really so um as i say you know when you look at uh, under 11s and you know young youngsters involved in sport particularly with schools but but also through organized sport outside and running outside of school that seems to be very strong we're seeing you know road road running clubs uh, certainly membership has grown there and people are involved in lots of different ways, things like run together as well. Track and field has plateaued more, and there's still, it, there's always been a challenge, you know, from people leaving uh, school and going to university and into working life, and then maybe coming back later in, in life. But we've seen some of the numbers there drop, drop more than was the case before. Uh, track and field also has the challenge of, you know, the investment in facilities. Um, I think the field sports have, have, have more challenges than you know than than uh, the, the track events. Um, but but that's been that's been a, an issue. Keeping we've got we're really lucky about the number of coaches and officials that support um, the sports. But actually getting uh, more people involved, more people trained, that's that seems to be a constant challenge. And you're right, we've we've seen. I mean big events like the London Marathon uh, you know are are, are packed out Mm. but some of the um some of the events have have struggled more in the last year since the pandemic and you know I think we we as England Athletics have to kind of be more innovative and come up with ways that competition can you know be encouraged and supported but also you know there's so many other things that people can do we have we're we're sort of in the entertainment business, and we have to recognize that and make it entertaining and easy for people to be involved.
1: Yeah, and obviously there's so many other sports that that athletics in general is up against, from uh, from, from football to cricket to rugby, and and we seem to play everything on the, on this little island, don't we? And uh, every and every kid will have a favorite, and you've got to try and make make your sport that kid's favorite, I suppose.
0: You do, but I mean, the overarching thing here is the health, you know, the health benefits, both physical and mental health benefits of being involved in sport. And I, you know, I, I don't see other sports as, as competition. I think we, you know, I, I think the, the competition is that the, the stuff that uh, kids can get involved with that doesn't actually help their health and their physical health. And, you know, whether it be Xboxes or whatever, I don't, you know, it, it's It's more how do you make sure that people get the right balance? we We do have you know some of the obesity figures both for youngsters and adults in the UK are really quite worrying and and we play a real role in countering that and helping people become fitter as a nation. and, and if they're running training that means that they they're better at, as a center forward in football. That's a great answer from my, my perspective.
1: Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I think uh, the, the more sports people can play and uh, enjoy and get healthy from, the better, really. I just want to rewind, Gary, and, and and go back and talk about Parkinson's a little bit more. How how would you approach the Gary went who was diagnosed in 2015 and, and perhaps felt a little bit down about the whole thing, thought that sport was over for him? If, if presumably you're meeting people in that situation now, having learnt and done what you've done... What, what do you say to those people?
0: I, I think for me, the first thing is, uh, you know, it's not the end of life. It's the beginning of a new life. And and actually a degenerative condition, whether it's Parkinson's or other conditions, you know, can take a long period of time. That's not the case with everything, but it's you don't have to kind of, tomorrow, that's it. You've gone from being healthy and active to not being healthy and active. The second thing I'd say is do more, do what you can to put yourself in control i mean yes medication can help but actually doing sport doing running doing whatever the sport is you know looking at diet etc can make a big difference i i feel better from the fact that i'm actually taking some control and i wish i'd done it you know quicker um and there are there are also plenty of places and 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 people who will Help and and get in, involved with you. I think the other thing I'd say is there are lots of Parkinson's groups, and I would, you know, I'd say it's a good idea to, to talk to those. But I don't. I people don't always want to be part of the Parkinson's, you know, um, running group or whatever. You you know, I I I'm online. I am part of a, a you know a, a group that does cycling with Parkinsons, but I also run with you know no, no one else in the club has got parkinson's and i don't think you should exclude yourself from the rest of rest of uh, society just because you've got a condition like this
1: yeah I, I was uh speaking to a chap called tony collier on the podcast of uh, at the start of january and he, he has a terminal prostate cancer uh and obviously he's happy to talk about that to to raise awareness of it but he was also very keen to say you know when we when we go for a a run with other people, or or when he sits down with other people who who, who have got cancer uh, at five k your way and things like that, they don't sit down and talk about cancer all day. They talk about what they've yeah. done at work. They talk about what they watched on TV, the same as everybody else does.
0: I I think that's spot on. And the thing I would say to people who don't have Parkinson's and come across people who do, you don't have to talk about Parkinson's. People find it difficult when they see the tremor. They worry that they're you know, intruding or that, and, and they really aren't. I mean, I just think people, people should feel as natural as, I mean, in the, in the running club, most people don't talk about my Parkinson's to me and that's exactly the way it should be.
1: And just finally, if people have listened to this and they're uh, they're they're keen to sort of get involved with Parkinson's UK to to help out or to even sponsor you on the events that, that you're doing, it's the chance for a plug. Um, how can they uh, how can they do that?
0: If they go to the website for Parkinson's UK, it's www.parkinsons.org.uk, and you can find out about your local group. Or there's lots more than groups. There's plenty of ways of getting involved. Uh, in terms of my sponsorship I've, I've forgotten the uh the the web address but oh the just giving address but it's www.justgiving.com fundraising gary dash shaughnessy2 oh well
1: done well done we'll put it we'll put it in the show notes so people can definitely find it brilliant but but
0: the final thing i'd say craig is i just i've learned so much through being involved in running it over the last few years and um I, I just, you know, I think running is a brilliant way of of keeping yourself physically and mentally fit, but it's also a brilliant way of, of having a, a fuller life and, and, you know, I've certainly benefited
1: from it. Superb stuff, Gary. That's an absolutely wonderful place for us to to finish our chat today. Thank you so much for, for joining us on, on Running Tales.
0: Thanks for the opportunity.
1: Thanks again to Gary for joining us on Running Tales and for such a fascinating conversation. All the details of how to sponsor him can be found in our show notes, so go and check them out now. I just wanted to take a moment to ask you all, our wonderful listeners, to take some time out to give us a review and a rating wherever you listen to Running Tales. Those positive reviews mean the podcast gets seen by a wider audience, so the more we get, the more people get to listen to the inspiring stories of people like Gary. You can also subscribe to our newsletter by visiting runningtales.substack.com where you can find written versions of our podcasts as well as articles on all kinds of subjects from the world of running and our regular newsletter updates. Thanks as ever for all your support and I look forward to seeing you again next week on the Running Tales podcast.